All right, eight minutes uh, past. You know the firm well, right? Campolo, Middleton, and McCormick. All across the island now, offices. And let's not forget the incredible distinction of uh, CMM recognized by Forbes. That's right, Forbes as a top trusted corporate law firm in America. By the way, that's a distinction. Achieved by fewer, I think it's 1% of all law firms in the entire nation. Incredible. Leading the way, the managing partner. And you know him well, the great blog off the record on our show on the record, thus off the record on the record. The aforementioned managing partner, Joseph Nicholas Campolo. Good to have you, sir. Hey, Jay. Good morning. How you doing, brother? I'm hanging in there, man. How about you? What's, uh, what's the way? How you feeling? Everything good? I feel good. I feel, uh, you know, I feel strong. I feel impatient right now. I'm ready to, I'm ready to go. You know, I'm ready to go. Yeah, I'm ready to go. Also, I, uh, I'd like to see Long Island ready to go in a big way here. I'm not seeing it. Uh, not even hitting phase one yet, which I'm very disappointed in. You know, I mean, I got regions like Mohawk Valley. Uh, people are having breakfast right now as we speak. Uh, yet in East Islip, uh, nothing to be uh, seen here. Uh, Joe, I tell you, we've been pushing it. Uh, and the fact of the matter is, it's about time that officials rely on the brain cells of individuals to do the right thing. And that is to open it up a little bit. We have not seen it. And the, you know, the, the sad part of it is, you know, we're going to have phase one, right? Phase one is what? Nurseries and landscaping and some construction. But, you know, when it comes to retail restaurants, that's in the next phase or even the third one as well. And we still have to wait a two-week period, in, an interim period, in betwixt and between. So, you know, realistically, and I, I, I even told you yesterday, I called you up. We could be looking at third week in junior, realistically, when we get things churning a little bit. That's unacceptable right now, Joe. Jay, I totally agree. I mean, you know, I, I, I tell everybody, I, I didn't, I didn't, you know, stay home and have all my employees stay home because the government told us to do it. I did it, uh, and and you know, all of our employees did it because they knew it was the right thing to do. They knew that we needed to uh, to to flatten this curve and and get this virus under control, and so we willingly did it for for two months, and. Uh, and now we know that social distancing, masks, they're, they're all very helpful. But now we got to get back to work. You know, it doesn't make any sense, and I totally sympathize with clients I speak to every day. It doesn't make any sense that, you know, uh, a Walmart or a BJ's or a supermarket can be open and people socially distance and they use masks and they have hand sanitizers, and, and that's okay. There's been no resurgence uh, with them being open. But other businesses who use the same safety measures and precautions can't be open. It doesn't, it doesn't make any sense to anyone. And that's where I think we're running into trouble. And that's why these, these metrics, they're great guidelines, but they can't be the end all be all. Look at the solar industry. Okay. Landscapers can be out. Roofers can be doing emergency repairs on roof that seemed essential, but solar installations can't happen where there's two guys. Uh, socially distanced, total safety on a roof, being able to, to do that. They just they just aren't able to go to work. And we're going we're gonna to permanently lose these jobs every single day. We're not able to get back to work. We're smart people. We understand what needs to be done, and we'll do it. But we got to get back to work. And, and, and it's for the exact reason that you said, Jay, these two-week phase increments, 
So, so uh, June fifteenth, we hit phase one here in in Suffolk County. That means what? Construction and uh, and some manufacturing. Landscapers are allowed now. Okay, then we got to wait two weeks for phase two. Well, phase two is office buildings and 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 other being non-essential now. That that's July one. Phase three are restaurants. That's it. The summer's over. So Long Island is going to lose the entire summer economy if we don't start opening and figuring out how to do this. We have to figure out how to do this. We've been very patient. I really have just been trying to be very patient watching it. I'm very sympathetic, and I understand, but I'm seeing every single day businesses that aren't going to be coming back. I mean, the report came out yesterday, Jay, that one-third which is about 15 million small businesses are not going to reopen uh, because of this pandemic. We don't even know what that looks like. We don't even understand what that's going to do to our economy. And every single day that we're not allowed to try and figure it out is a day another business isn't going to make it. So I think, I, I think we have to start letting people experiment. We know we need to socially distance. We know we need to wear masks. We know we need to use hand sanitizers. And if we can go into a BJ's or a Walmart, uh, we should be able to go into another business as well. And it's not, you know, the, the, the virus is still going to be there. You're not eradicating the virus by starting the engines. But what you have to do is employ the instinct of trust in people to do the right thing. And that is to keep the distancing, to wear the gloves, to wash the hands, don't touch the face, you know, put capacity restrictions in place. You know, that's what you'll have in place. I'm not advocating for everybody to gather on uh, on Main Street, U.S. of A. with their barbecues and flip hamburgers and play music. Uh, I'm not advocating for seniors to stroll down Main Street. No, I'm not. But I'm advocating for life to begin. And I got to tell you. I'm very disappointed in our officials for the, not pushing back here at this point in time. I, I can't you know, I only hear about, please, sir, can I open up two beaches? Or, please, sir, can I extend the property tax deadline? I want to I see a little push. Push back a little bit, all right? Don't always align with the governor, okay? If, if you differ from him, you're listening to your residents, you see your business is closed, you're seeing an economic uh, situation that is dire right now, give me a little muscle. Give me a little pushback, please. Can I see something? It's not only about the darn numbers. It's not only about the death toll. Every death is important, I get it. It's not only about the hospitalizations going down. It's not only about the ICU admissions and everything else. It's about life to start up again. It's for creating activity again on Main Street. That's what I want to see. I haven't seen it. And, and you're not. So the local officials are understandably concerned because there's going to be huge budget deficits and they're going to need support from Albany. So it's hard to push back against the governor. And the governor's being somewhat about a bully about his numbers. And, and that's fine. His philosophy is he's trying to save as many lives as possible. And I, and I understand that and I commend that. Okay, but somebody has, there's no reason we can't be having both conversations in parallel. How do we save as many lives as possible while saving as many businesses impossible, as possible? Nobody, no rational person disagrees with that. No rational person disagrees with that. You know, and what, what they don't understand, and the challenge with a lot of elected officials is they never own the business. They never ran a business. They don't understand how important consumer confidence is to the marketplace. 
to run these two-week tranches to open. And, you know, even the day they allow restaurants to be open, it's going to be at 25% capacity. And how many people are going to really feel comfortable going and doing? That's going to take time for consumer confidence to grow and build. And that's what's going to grow the economy back. It being open is wonderful, but if people aren't confident, okay, in the services, so the, the marketplace has to take take effect. Restaurants have to understand that there's going to be challenges. They're going to have to understand that people are going to want to make sure that they're taking safety precautions and they're sanitary and everything else. And that's, you know, we're going to be dipping our toes into Main Street again and getting a sense and getting a feel. That could take weeks or months to take off. So now we're now we're in the fall, right? And how long do we really think we can keep this thing closed before there's permanent irreversible damage? And that's the challenge we're having right now. And I got to tell you, Jay, we're making a big, big mistake. I, I'm, as I said before, I totally supported. I stayed home. We had everybody stay home for the two-month period to help to help get this thing under control. It was a terrible time, terrible time for families, terrible time for everyone. We went through really traumatic stuff. There's going to be massive PTSD going on. But we have to start to explore and figure out not just how to open, but how to rebuild consumer confidence in all of these industries, airline industries, the Long Island Railroad, the MTA, the subways, all of these industries have to be given time to build consumer confidence or they're never going to come back. And that's, that's not being an alarmist. That's just a fact based on economic principles. Now you're right. You know, you, you open up Main Street end of June, July and August, and never good. We know you make a great point, Joe. And that's why it was so important to get things going. Even prior to this Memorial Day weekend, businesses, you know, they, they live upon this weekend. I, obviously, the, the mainstay moment is to pay respects and remember and everything else, but it's always a, a time of the year to flock together, have fun, visit restaurants, hit the beaches, you know, do it in a safe way and everything else. I get it, but right now, you know, it's it's upon us. Nothing's there. Takeout only for restaurants. They can't survive. You know, it's just a complete debacle. Uh, the unemployment situation, benefits, the extra 600 people not wanting to go back to work. I mean, it's just just dire right now that we've we've had a kind of plan differently here. And, and with that being said, you know, when I said I'm not advocating for senior, you can't. You know, I got a mother-in-law's 87. I got great the Sal the Cozy in 93 this year. He doesn't like being locked up. He knows he has to be. That has to stay in place, you know, for a long time, unfortunately. But I'll tell you, when it comes to seniors in nursing homes, I don't like the way this thing has been handled from the get-go. The game of hot potato, as I described earlier, passing the buck, blaming the president, blaming this one. Come on. This was a man in Albany who said, you know what, I'm not getting political. Well, yesterday you got political. You're blaming the president of the United States now and the CDC guidelines for what has happened within the nursing homes in New York State and the 5,600 or so that have perished, a quarter of the deaths in the state and everything else. And I go back to that edict of March 25th, COVID positives readmitted. I'm sorry. This back and forth has to stop. This is a big, big category right now big topic of conversation these nursing homes joe it, it, it really is and i got and i gotta tell you jay you know it's it's the lockdown so my grandmother is 100 years old she was born in 1920 you know and i spoke to her the other day and uh and she's in an assisted living facility and they have not been able to leave their rooms not their room you know they haven't been able to leave their rooms they haven't been able to go to the common areas no guests 
uh, know nothing for the past almost 10 weeks right now. Okay, they get their meals delivered to their rooms. And, uh, you know, and my grandmother is very lucid. And I, and I was talking to her, and she said, this is the worst thing she's ever gone through. Now, think of, think of that statement, right, having lived through the Great Depression, World War II, the Korean War, Vietnam War, all this stuff. She said, this is the worst that's ever happened because of the isolation and the loneliness. She said, we're all, we're all old. We're all already afraid of dying alone. Uh, and here we are, and we haven't been able to see anybody, do anybody, do anything. And they're all just gonna, they're all just going to have significant health problems, mental problems at the end of their life. It's terrible, right? But that's another thing that we need to be addressing. So, so having sent people back into that environment uh, just to die is is really, really terrible. We have to look at these assisted living and, and nursing home situations. It's such a, it's such a sad thing uh, that's going on, and it's such a sad time. And for for, for my family and, and my sisters, it's, it's been terrible that we just haven't been able to see her or be there. Occasional FaceTime, but that's it. So I think when this is said and done, Jay, you're right. The, the nursing homes, the assisted living, we're going to have to really look at what the hell happened there. How did, you know, how did we let so many, so many people down? Um, the finger pointing, I'm sick of, right? The, I'm sick of it. You know, everybody just needs to, to stop. It, it, it's just the worst time ever in American politics right now. And it's frustrating, you know, rather than just saying, everybody's doing their best. We've never seen something like this before. And we're trying to work together to get it done. It's, uh, it's barbaric out there right now. But, you know, the, the, the seniors, the nursing homes, the, for the, for the life of me, Jay. So there's two things I'm never going to understand. And I really try to understand it. Number one is why we feel we can be safe in, in, in certain, businesses but not in others using the same safety measures so why can i go to a to a home depot or a, or a walmart but i can't go to a smaller store doing the same sort of social distancing a mess i'll never understand the logic behind that ever um it was it's good for one should be good for the other and the other piece i'm never going to understand is why when this virus first hit and we knew it disproportionately affected senior citizens why we didn't isolate them first we did not isolate them these assisted living and nursing homes did not go into lockdown soon enough. Instead, we focused on the schools and the kids and sporting events, and we would have had a much, much lower death rate, and we would have gotten it under control much more quickly if we would have isolated the, uh, the seniors and those who were, who were ill. And I'll never understand why we didn't approach it that way. And why we didn't start testing our, our seniors at these homes is beyond me. Now we're testing staffers not once but twice a week, okay? Now we... we reversed everything no COVID positive COVID negatives now are allowed to re-enter okay I mean I told the story yesterday of emails being sent a month after the fact from the Department of Health wanting to know how many deaths took place at particular nursing homes and they only had a couple of hours by the way to give Dr. Deering the headlights Zucker Howard Zucker uh, that information so you know the heat was on Zucker and and the Department of Health way back in time okay when death started to kind of come about march 14th the edict the 25th allowing COVID positives and thus you know he knew he had some damage control to do with those emails so there's a lot of questions overall is that march 25th deal and why in the what i just can't figure out why residents were not tested you want to tell me the staffers what about the residents they're the central focus right now at these facilities. Why weren't residents tested? Is it because they were like, as I put it, sacrificial lambs, Joe? 
why not test the very source of it all? The most vulnerable, the most susceptible. Why wasn't testing put in place at facilities regarding residents? That's the million-dollar question. Yeah, and there's going to be a lot of questions that are asked after this, Jay, and they should be asked because, you know, we're, we're going to see there's so much frustration right now. You know, we're going to just see a lot happening between now and the, uh, and the end of the year and the election. Um, you know, I don't know how many days we're 150 days away from, from this election, and every single day it's just going to continue to get nastier and nastier. There's going to be no answers to these questions until we get into 2021 because everybody's too busy being, being nasty with each other because of upcoming elections. Without question, Joe Campolo off the record, on the record. Let's go another one before we take a break. Joe, you got a $3 trillion stimulus deal. House has agreed. There's a, there's a lot of insertions in there regarding marijuana, uh, deportation, uh, extending the unemployment uh, gift from the government of $600 extra, which you know a lot of people say is so detrimental, including myself. You want to put that in play till January now? You got people sitting on the sidelines, don't even want to go back. Why should they? They're getting, you know, if you made a buck 82 and you have the extra 600, 782 a week, that's not bad, right? Times four, that's over three Gs a month. You know, people make more, you know, that way than actual in, in employment itself. So you got a lot of caveats in there as far as, you know, uh, how, how to go about things. But on the other hand, you got more stimulus, the 1,200, 2,400, et cetera, et cetera. You got uh, some uh, city and state aid that desperately needs to put in play, maybe not the $61 billion or so that New York State's asking for. But, you know, feast of famine here as far as this stimulus bill, you know, again, cooler heads never prevail. Uh, there is complete opposition as far as the Senate Republicans. It's never going to be agreed to. So all in all, we have another game of a tug of war going on here, and people's lives are at stake. Yeah, it's an, it's it's really Jay. It's an insane time. It, it, I wish you could listen into the phone calls I have during the day. So what you just said about unemployment is not a hypothetical and it's not academic. I heard some people talking, uh, basically saying that. Uh, you know, it's scare tactics to say people would rather stay home than go to work. People would rather go back to work. I'm telling you that's not true, okay? The, the business owners that I speak to every day, I feel numerous calls every day saying, you know, my people, some of them don't want to come back. They're making more. Uh, they're home. They're making more, and they don't want to come back, right? And what do I do, and how do I handle that? That, to me, is just disgusting, right? That's, 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 that's just a disgusting way for everybody uh, to act. Uh, in any way, shape, or form. We all need to be together on this. We all need to be, you know, they call the, the, the generation from World War II, they call them the greatest generation. And, and the reason they call them the greatest generation is because the amount of sacrifice that every single household gave, okay, in a time when we thought not just our, our country, but the world was going to, to end, uh, everybody came out and gave everything they had, uh, gave their money, bought war bonds, volunteered, worked hard, uh, and that's, that grew the American spirit, and that's what built this country, okay? That's what got women very active in the in the workforce. You know, before World War II, Jay, we had maybe the number five or six economy in the world. Post-World War II, we went to number one. Why? Because women entered the workplace, and it increased our productivity, and that's what people need to understand. Stimulus dollars are only for a short, finite period of time. Okay, what's going to build our economy back is production, productivity. 
and we're not going to get the productivity we need from people sitting on the sidelines. The government should be helping. Yes, should be helping. There's a there's a two to three month period here where people need help, businesses need help, and that's why we have PPP, and that's why we have the enhanced unemployment. But we cannot incentivize people to stay home too long, okay? Because then we're not going to get the productivity we need to grow this economy back. It's not going to grow back on its own. People have to do the work, and if we don't grow the workforce back very quickly, okay? then we're not going to get that productivity, which means our GDP is not going to grow, right? And so we're seeing all of this right now unfold, and to further incentivize people to stay home doesn't make sense. We have to be finding ways to create jobs. We have to be opening up the economy. Instead of talking about, you know, a trillion dollars to sit home on unemployment, they should be talking about a trillion dollars to go to infrastructure spending, to stimulate jobs and create jobs. They should be creating manufacturing jobs and getting people back to work that way. I don't understand the further incentive to stay home. It is not going to get this economy moving. Uh, listen, I agree. I'm worried about John Doe's diner in East Islip. You know, I'm worried about his employees not wanting to come back to work. Uh, I'm looking at him as far as, you know what? Uh, I can't do it alone. I, I can't. I have no money, very little money if I got from PPP, if I was lucky to get it. Uh, I can't sustain here. What am I doing here? Uh, they're not opening up anyway for another three to four weeks. When you think about it, does it pay? Let me fold it up and move to Florida. You know, that's the mindset right now that people have to be aware of. And that's that's a fact, folks. You know, listen, I'm all for helping out and families and the extra 600. That's a gift. But right now, my focus is on that business, that employer. Now, that's why I've said all along, you know, you need a separate stimulus just for small business. That's it. Main Street, U.S. of A businesses. I have said that all along, and that should have been put in place. Kind of a revolving door. As soon as one thing ended, there goes small business with funds heading out. Not the case. Back and forth. Volleyball. Arguments. Tug of wars. That's why this divide in this country just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Comments from Pelosi yesterday regarding, you know, mud on your, sho on your shoes with the president, dog do on his shoes. It's back and forth, back and forth. Stupidity, morbid obesity because he took the hydroxychloroquine. It's one thing after another, Joe, what happens in Washington. I tell you, tough to take. Yeah, I can't. I can't watch it or follow it anymore. It's uh, it's really frustrating. I just need this election to be over. I hope everybody gets voted out. I I swear, I've never felt this way before, but it it is just so so ridiculous at this point in American uh, politics. I just hope the whole slate gets cleaned out across the board. I don't I don't even care. We need the the American spirit is the entrepreneurial spirit, Jay. It's always been the entrepreneurial spirit. It's always what made this country great. It's always what built our economy. And our economy is always what's been the number one thing to help keep us free. You know, business owners, we need to be, the handcuffs need to be taken off. We're smart. We understand what needs to happen. And we need to start getting back to producing. Um, this country is not going to sustain itself. And all we're going to do is see a bigger and bigger government-run country, okay? And all that's going to mean is more and more restrictions are going to Occur. You know, when I mentioned before about my grandmother saying it was the worst thing she's ever gone through, she said, never before have I, have I been locked in my house for, for 10 weeks. As bad as things were, I was able to go out. I was able to, to talk to my neighbors. I was able to 
um, go to a store. I was able to do things. Nobody's able to do anything. And so it's not going to be good for anything unless we get people to start being productive again. You know, it's inertia. A body in motion stays in motion. A body at rest tends to stay at rest. And if we give people an option to stay home too long, and I understand, listen, I'm, I'm not by any stretch of the imagination, I'm not criticizing uh, the anybody who's getting unemployment who needs it. In fact, I think it was ridiculous to do $600 enhancements across the country. Um, it was it was ridiculous. You know, New York, $600 a week, uh, that should have been double for people here because especially on Long Island, how can they survive with that? Um, and there were massive layoffs, and I get that. I get that. But the government has to help the economy move by helping nudge people out of their houses and back to their jobs. I know people are scared. I know they're tired. I know that everybody has gone through a lot. The only way to secure this country and our liberty is to get this economy moving. And the way we do that is we start. You know, I'm not advocating flipping the switch and everybody getting back to where they were. But you know, I was just listening the other day to, to, to a guy who owns a lot of restaurants talking on, uh, on CNBC. You know, and his point is to, to open your restaurant at 25%, you're basically saying, okay, you can open, but now you have to lose money. And he's like, so right now I'm not losing money because I'm not paying anybody. And if I open at 25%, then you're telling me I can open, but I have to lose money in order to do it. What, what business owner is going to do that? Nobody's going to do that. So, so even this, when we get to phase two, people are going to be making business decisions and saying it doesn't make sense for me to open. And if I have, if I have enhanced benefits to just stay home, then I'll do that because it doesn't make any sense for me to open. So we gotta, we got to get started figuring all these problems out so we can recreate this economy. Without question, you see, and you hit it on the head before, and I've, I've been saying all along, you know, everybody says, oh, you know, well, we need term limits. You already have term limits. And the term limits are that you, when you go to the polls, okay, when you, when you vote, you have the choice to make. You know what the biggest problem, and I'm doing this a long time, Joe, in this business. Biggest problem I see is that people get into ruts. They get into patterns. They don't like change. They can't think. And I always employ people, implore people to make sure that to ask yourself, are you better now than you were two, three, four years ago? And if you're not, well, guess what? You have the right to change. The biggest problem I see is people don't think when it comes to elections time. And that's why the same old garbage is put back into office. The same old policies, the lies where one said, oh, we're going to change for the better. I'm going to do this, that. I'm going to do that. Never happens. It's lies. And it's the same old dreck being put back into office. And here we go again enduring another term. That's the biggest problem. We have the right to make change. We don't utilize it as people. We have that right. It's in our Constitution. But we don't take advantage of it. And that's the biggest problem. We have to do a better job thinking, okay? We have to think. Is Chuck Schumer doing the job? Is he just, he's been there forever. And that's part of the problem. It's the fact that he has been there forever. Look at his rant on the Supreme Court steps. I'm going to get you, Gorsuch. I'm going to get you, Kavanaugh. He should have been thrown out right then and there. We need change. And it has to start this election. 
No more waiting. We got to think here, Joe. Biggest problem. Final word before the break. It's a lot, yeah. Without question. Just got this in, Joe. You're listening to uh, Off the Record, On the Record, of course, with uh, the great Joe Campbell. Another 2.4 million workers uh, saw a jobless aid last week, Joe, raising total layoffs uh, since the virus struck to nearly 39 million. Uh, that's unbelievable. Two and a half more million people, Joseph. Uh, and the beat goes on, huh? It's, it's absolutely incredible. And the irony is uh, the market's doing well. Right. So nobody that's the thing, Jay, is nobody's ever seen this before. And so nobody has any idea where this is going and uh, and where this is going to take this. And it makes it even more important that we get things moving. We start trying to figure out how we're going to recreate an economy in an environment where people don't even know what's going on. How is the market doing so well? Nobody knows. Nobody can understand it. Um, maybe it's the liquidity that all these stimulus packages are throwing into the uh, into the marketplace. But one of the things people don't talk about and need to start focusing on. So, you know, I'm reading about what they're going to do on the MTA level and how they are thinking about eliminating middle seats on trains and how they're going to social distance and how they're going to fumigate. You know, so a they got to get consumer confidence. They got to get people that are going to want to be on the Long Island Railroad and going to want to be on the subways and the types of numbers that were once there and that's very difficult to do in a world of social distancing um and you know that's not going to happen for a long time right so now you're talking about pricing it's the same thing with restaurants if you can only get 25 percent of the people you normally have there it's about pricing so even as we open up jay right the price of everything is going to creep up dramatically going out to dinner is going to have to cost us more because restaurants are going to have a limited capacity and they're going to have to be in doing much more labor and cleaning and sanitizing in the preparation of that food. Communi- uh, uh, commuting, transportation, the Long Island Railroad. How, how is that price? And you know the MTA's had financial troubles forever. So how is that pricing going to affect it? What's a monthly ticket going to cost from someone to commute from Long Island to New York? And it's going to become prohibitive. And so we haven't even discussed or begun to figure out how that's going to look over the next weeks, months, and quarters, right? So these loss of jobs with increased pricing, I don't see how any of that can be stimulus out. We have to grow jobs, we have to grow wages, and we have to get household income going again because we got a lot of price challenges that are going to be going on in the, uh, in the future. You know, meat shortages, so that means the price of meat is significantly starting to go up, and we see that already. We're not addressing these issues. We're, we're thinking we can throw stimulus dollars at it, and it's a short-term fix. Stimulus was needed, no doubt about it. You can't shut the entire economy down for two months and not have stimulus dollars. But we have to start making it uncomfortable for people to stay idle, and we have to start incentivizing people to be productive or we're not going to grow through this. And the prices are going to kill us, which means all this money is going to hit an inflation rate that can be unprecedented. So that's where depression starts, high Unemployment, which we're seeing, almost 40 million people, okay? Inflation, cost of cost of goods going way through the roof, um, and then you have the perfect storm. And that's what we need to be mindful of and start to get back to work to avoid. Joe can't pull off the record. Joe, uh, Joe uh, you know, and I've said this for a long time, 
the next 90 to 120 is really the grade for Donald Trump. You know, all that he has done in the first three years, uh, that, that that's kind of a distant memory right now. Uh, I think people are going to think about the economy, how our commander-in-chief gets us out of this, uh, the holding of the elevation of the, of the, of the death rate, uh, a, a lot factored in, I believe, within the next 90 to 120 days. Uh, that, to me, is his grade as far as getting another term. Uh, on the other hand, you got a guy who can't get out of his own way, even uh, as being silent during different periods of time in his basement in Delaware uh, over the last three months. Still the stories of Tara Reid and the harassment, uh, the Michael Flynn stuff, the unmasking, uh, coupled with President Obama. I mean, quite frankly, uh, Biden has taken a couple of hits here. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, you know, I, I give him more than a punch's chance at this point in time. You know, Trump, uh, you know, I, I think is he's lessened as far as that shining light in the last month and a half or so. You know, especially the kind of comments, you know, you're taking hydroxychloroquine, which makes absolutely no sense. But, uh, you know, he's been back and forth, and it comes down to the testing. We know that has not been a positive during the, this pandemic. Uh, it is vital that this testing had been put in play. It was late, we know. Uh, still not there, in my opinion. I'll tell you that much. Even though you'll tell me testing is, you know, the governor will tell you, well, we're testing a million a day. Yet I find plenty of flaws in the testing uh, situations in and around the state and Long Island. I'll tell you that much, Joe. But quite frankly, Trump's not a shooing. He is not a shooing come November, in my opinion. Well, I, 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 I don't know what's going to happen, Jay. I mean, every day. Every day it seems to vacillate. You know, Joe Biden is is just not a strong candidate. He's just not. I don't. I don't think he is, and I think that he's going to have he's going to have problems. You know, he he. In my opinion, in my opinion, he should be leading. You know, I think yesterday I read he's leading about five to eight percent in the national polls. Five to eight percent is nothing. Um, you know, uh, Hillary Clinton had a much bigger lead over Donald Trump in 2016 at this point in time. Five to eight percent, and there's been no, there's been really no campaigning going on, right? So all, all we have is a brutal attack on Trump from the media, but probably deserved. He sets himself up for it, but a brutal attack on Trump by the media and Biden just sort of hanging out in his basement and uh, making some commentary. And he has a five to eight percent. He's going to have to get out there and start mixing it up. And once, once the media stops focusing on. Uh, on COVID, and, and this quiets down a bit, I hope we don't get flare-ups, and I hope this thing doesn't spike again. Um, but assuming it doesn't, and assuming it starts focusing on the presidential campaign, well, then Joe Biden's got a lot of questions to answer, right? A lot of, a lot of questions to answer, um, because he has Tara Reid to account for in a, uh, in a public in a public forum. I'm sure he's holding his breath, hoping that the, the, the news cycle blows past that, but he's going to have to have that to, uh, uh, to answer to. He's got the, the Michael Flynn unmasking to answer to, and, you know, that's a whole other subject that's just fascinating um, as to what goes on there. And, and, I, and, I, and I study it a lot because just from a legal perspective and from a uh, prosecutorial perspective and from a constitutional perspective, it's such a fascinating, fascinating situation that went on with that, that whole thing. Okay, and now you know he's also got this uh, this this issue with the Ukrainian president and the prosecutor that's starting to creep up and surface, 
And if you think about it, right, if you think about it, the 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 challenges that Trump had were, were all of those things, right? So the challenges with Trump have, it was he's a womanizer, so he's isolating, uh, so he isolated women, okay? And now, uh, will there be a debate on, on Joe Biden? I don't, I don't know how that will happen. I don't know how that will play out. Um, you know, the, the Ukrainian president and, and Bo Biden and the, and the payments and what Joe Biden's role was, well, that's going to be hashed out if, if they start getting into full campaign mode. And, and so, and the Michael Flynn unmasking, that's going to be hashed out. I don't know how those things are going to impact. I don't know if anybody cares about them or doesn't, but I know that those are issues that the Democrats used. All those issues are what the Democrats used forcefully against Trump, right? And what Trump has is, you know, I built a great economy. That was his. That was his mantra. I built a great economy. Uh, COVID came in, and it's really, it's really going to depend on the economy. I think, Jay. I really think. If um, if this economy starts to tick up in late Q3, getting towards the getting towards the election day, I don't know. I don't know how many of these secret Trump voters are going to say, you know what? I don't want to disrupt this. I'd rather a business guy in the White House. I don't want to disrupt this growth. And um, and so I'm going to go ahead and do exactly what I did in 2016 and and secretly vote for Trump and and have him win. If the economy is tanking and uh, and the world is as chaotic as it is, I think people will take their chances with uh, with Joe Biden. But I don't think I don't think they're getting a better option in in Joe Biden than than Donald Trump. I, I don't I don't think that that's uh, a good a good trade. I think I think we'll be in the same boat, uh, maybe a little worse from an economic perspective. But I think the Republicans will use the next four years to just attack and destroy Joe Biden. The way the Democrats use these four years to attack and destroy Donald Trump, I would have been much happier with an outsider being in that Democratic spot. So we could have tried to get a fresh start as a uh, as a country. There's just so much baggage with Joe Biden that the Republicans will do everything they can if he wins to pay back to him what what the Democrats did to Trump those four years. So I think I think it's we're in a terrible situation no matter which no matter no matter who wins this presidential election. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, and it's interesting, Trump will make a visit to Michigan today. That's a key state, remember, in 16. Uh, Hillary lost it. That was the first time a Dem lost the state of Michigan uh, in 35 years. Key state, uh, we know, Rust Belt and everything else, that's going to that's gonna play a huge role. He'll be there today. And, of course, you know, more so with Michigan, and from what I understand and read, you know, Gretchen Whitmer is a top candidate to be Vinan's pick for vice president. I'll tell you that much. So keep an eye on that. Gretchen Whitmer, the governor of Michigan. So two things yeah. coming out of Michigan, Whitmer and a visit from Donald Trump today. Very interesting. Now, a couple of minutes remain, sir. Uh, you've done a great job. I talk about it all the time. The hub, the hotline, businesses to call and email and everything else. Uh, it's gone incredibly well from what I hear, from what you told us last time. Uh, so so vital it was for people to have some sort of a source to go to, to give questions and everything else in play. Uh, give us a, a second on that and also about the event that took place a couple of days ago. So a couple of things we have going on, Jay. Right when this started, we felt like how can we help the business community as much as possible? There's so much going on, so much chaos and information. So we started our, our COVID legal hotline. Um, it's been an incredible success. It's been an incredible support. We've taken hundreds and hundreds of calls and emails with people who are, uh, who are scared, who are confused, who don't know how to handle certain things that are going on. 
And we've done it complimentary. We have not charged anyone to help shepherd them through uh, the issues, you know, issues with their landlords, issues with unemployment, issues with how to furlough employees, uh, HR questions that have, that have come up, all the things that right now people don't need to be dealing with and then worried about getting a big bill from lawyers. And so we were happy and we continue every single day. We're continuing to, uh, you know, to, to help businesses with our COVID hotline. And that's just been, it's been tremendous. And we're really, uh, we're really happy to do it. The, the other resource that I have out there right now is I'm, I'm doing a weekly webinar called Business Unusual, um, because it's not usual time. So I can't call it business as usual. So it's business unusual. And we're doing a, a webinar every, every Tuesday at 1130. It's, it's complimentary. People can join and we're starting to look at. How are we getting Long Island businesses moving? How are we working in each sector? What support and resources do these businesses need to be able to get them open and running? And we're going to be having um, people on from from all, all walks, restaurants, uh, transportation, mental health experts every week to try and give business owners a resource once a week to come to and start to understand what are the challenges, what are other businesses doing that are, that's working what are businesses doing that are not working? What sort of help and resources are out there for businesses? It's very important that they have some place to turn to where um, where they're getting facts and they're getting it from the horse's mouth. They're not getting it from elected officials. They're not getting it from uh, from TV pundits. They're getting it from the business people themselves of what they're seeing, what they're experiencing, and what's working and what's not working. So we're pretty proud of those initiatives. They They seem to be working really well. And I'll tell you, uh, you ought to be proud of a couple of things, too, uh, recognized by Forbes. That's pretty darn good. Uh, as a top trusted corporate law firm in this country, uh, that's a distinction, folks, by fewer than 1% of all law firms in the nation. That's pretty darn good. And the other thing, Joe, uh, I didn't realize it. Well, I realized it, but, you know, we talk about facts and figures and data. You know, we've heard a lot of that terminology lately. But the fact is that uh, your firm... Uh, as far as being the vote, employees voted the firm to Newsday's list of top top work, workplaces on Long Island. And that is a tremendous distinction. Congratulations on that, sir. I had no doubt. Yeah, I that appreciate was that. Be really, play. really appreciate that. No doubt that that was uh, to be put in play. Uh, always a pleasure. It goes quick. Thanks, Jay. I look forward to the next time, my friend. Thank you, Jay. Be well. Talk to you. You got it. There you go. Joe Campbell off the record. On the record. There you go.